Welcome to the Ponder a New Podcast. My name is Pastor Rob Myalis. I want us to ponder anew how we think as a church, as families, as individuals, about how to overcome racial and ethnic prejudices that clearly plague our and, and all societies, frankly. And so often it sort of boils down to a sort of a sort of maybe progressive prophetic preaching in people's face or a more conservative just give people Jesus and all the problems will be taken care of. And, I, and I'd like to offer, uh, based on the book of Acts that we've been reading this uh, last few weeks, uh, a different way, a different approach to how the church can be involved in overcoming racial and ethnic boundaries and work towards reconciliation. So let's ponder in it. This past week, our nation saw yet another mass shooting, this one in Buffalo. And even more tragically, it looks like, as they do more investigation, that this was motivated by racial prejudice and, uh, yeah, so, so frustrating and, and so exhausting. And, you know, it may turn out that as they do more research on this particular situation, that it's discovered that, in fact, in this case, it wasn't racial, racial prejudice um, or sort of, yeah, that there's some other motivation for it, that it's mental illness or all sorts of things that we may ascribe to it. But I think in the end, we're, we're left with a world that struggles deeply, our, our nation specifically, uh, with, you know, various ethnic, racial, social fault lines uh, that uh, erupt in in violence and often uh, follow patterns of real abuse. Um, so it's it's a really hard situation and one that I think we all grieve and yet we kind of scratch our heads and say, you know, what what can we do about it? And sometimes the answer seems frustratingly little. I had a young adult a few weeks ago who pressed me um, He's not a member of my church, but he was pressing me on the fact that I, as a pastor, should be bringing up and preaching on social issues. And I balked about it because I've had a feeling for a long time that whenever I preach on social issues, that what people are listening for is not some gospel truth that's going to change their lives, their perspective, but rather they're looking for affirmation that what they think about a particular social or political issue is correct. And that uh, it doesn't kind of matter, kind of, again, what nuance or biblical uh, exegesis I bring to bear, that if I support their prior conclusions, their happy with me, and if I say something against their previously held beliefs, that they're mad at me, and that if I do this enough, that I simply will end up with a congregation where all the people think like me, and maybe that would be cool, because then we would have low conflict, and um, we, you know, we could all uh, think alike, and, and that would be great, 
Um, and I think that's actually part of what happens then in our country is that you, you sort of get more silos of people that think exactly alike and are just unable to imagine that any decent human could think differently. And that in itself, I think, contributes further to the social sort of uh, fabrics decay in our society. So I'm really reluctant to just sort of rally the troops about various social issues uh, week after week. So but the question is, you know, well, okay, fine, like what's then the alternative? And so I want to return actually in the book of Acts to the topic we had discussed uh, two podcasts ago, and that was Peter's encounter with Cornelius. Because I, I believe in, in this encounter and the way in which Peter uh, has his ethnic, uh, social, all sorts of other sort of boundaries and prejudices, how how he uh, is moved beyond them, I think that can become a paradigm for us thinking about how we as faith communities can help people move beyond their particular uh, prejudices, hopefully to um, have a broader sense of, of God's compassion, uh, sort of expand the horizons of, of their compassion, and maybe just even more broadly, how on, on any social issue, any of these sort of cultural fault lines, how we might um, actually get people to have uh, come to a different conclusion than, than the one that they, they previously held, and perhaps even if nothing else, just consider... Um, why it might be that, you know, people actually come to different conclusions. So I want to look at, at Acts chapter uh, 10 and 11 and, and Peter's uh, sort of his having his heart open to the Gentiles. Soon the news reached the apostles and other believers in Judea and the Gentiles had received the word of God. But when Peter arrived back in Jerusalem, the Jewish believers criticized him. You entered the home of Gentiles and even ate with them, they said. Then Peter told them exactly what had happened. I was in the town of Joppa, he said, and while I was praying, I went to a trance and saw a vision. Something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners from the sky, and it came right down to me. When I looked inside the sheet, I saw all sorts of animals, wild animals, reptiles, and birds. And I heard a voice say, Get up, Peter, kill and eat them. No, Lord, I replied, I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared unpure or unclean. But the voice from heaven spoke again, Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. This happened three times before the sheet and all of its contained was pulled back up to heaven. Just then three men who had been sent from Caesarea arrived at the house where we were staying. The Holy Spirit told me to go with them and not to worry that they were Gentiles. These six brothers were here accompanied me, and we soon entered the home of a man who had sent for us. He told us how an angel had appeared to him in his home and had told him, Send messengers to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He will tell you how you and everyone in your household can be saved. As I began to speak, Peter continued, The Holy Spirit fell upon them, just as he fell at, on us at the beginning. Then I thought of the Lord's words, and when he said, John be baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And since God gave these Gentiles the same gift he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to stand in God's way? When the others heard this, they stopped objecting and began praising God. They said, We can see that God has also given the Gentiles the privilege of repenting of their sins and receiving eternal life. To be clear, Peter and the rest of the followers of Jesus had a great deal of ethnic prejudice. 
We see this in how Peter presents himself when he meets Cornelius. And I talked about that in the podcast two weeks ago. But even if you feel that my interpretation of how Peter and Cornelius interacted is not the right one, there's plenty of other evidence in the New Testament for the ethnic tension that exists. It's found in Jesus' parables, like the parable of the Good Samaritan, or the stories, Jesus and the Syrophoenician woman, or even in details in how the the crucifixion, and and again, tons of little details throughout. But it's also found in the book of Acts. So, for instance, in chapter 8, 11 there, when Peter is going to recount what he's experienced, you have believers who are circumcised, that is Jews, criticizing the uncircumcised, criticizing Peter's work, though what he did. In fact, Acts 15 will be this chapter of Scripture in which you are, with the church the first time really takes up the question whether you have to be Jewish in order to be Christian. And it will be at the end of the book of Acts where Paul is imprisoned by Jewish people for bringing a Gentile allegedly into the temple. So I could go on and on, but there is, it's just clear that there's, there's this ethnic prejudice. In fact, even if we look out of the book of Acts in Galatians, Paul tells us that Peter wouldn't eat with this uncircumcised believers. So throughout the New Testament, you you have this undercurrent of this ethnic layer of prejudice, which uh, two podcasts ago, I talked about Acts chapter 10 and how Peter had this experience that really opened his eyes and opened his heart to God's work in the Gentiles. But I'd like to suggest that it took something more than that in order for Peter to have his his heart changed. And... uh, What it took was an opportunity to share his story within his congregation. You see, all of us have a story, and that story allows us to to bring life's various memories and feelings into clarity and, and have coherency. In a trial of a jury... Two lawyers in the end are going to try to convince the jury of which story is the most coherent presentation, most compelling and convicting presentation, get it, convicting, of of the data. And when you have a story in your life about the way the world works, say that your, you know, your mother-in-law is out to get you or that, um, you know, your science teacher doesn't like you um, or even that your, you know, your friend is always there for you. It's amazing how much data, once you have it, will fit into that pattern. And that's really how sort of prejudices work. You have a a sort of a sense of the way the world works. And so, of course, you know, know, Romans, uh, centurions are only going to care about themselves because that's how you've seen Roman centurions behave. That's what you're expecting as Peter. Um, and, And so, again, we have these stories in life. And they allow us, first of all, to filter out unimportant information. And in fact, they'll they'll even go further and we will get mad as humans when information violates our story. 
So for instance, if you have a way that the world works and somebody comes along and tells you something that's different, you, you, you actually have an angry response to it. Like it's not just an intellectual, that's false. It is a visceral, that's not the truth. Um, and this explains some of the rancor in our political debates. So what has to happen, and this is what happens in chapter 11 of uh, the book of Acts, is that Peter tells his story. And when he tells his story, this now is going to take this huge piece of evidence, in this case the pouring out of the Spirit in the life of Cornelius, that did not fit into his previously existing story, that God worked mainly in the Gen, God really worked for the Jews, and, and it's, it's that God you know, would have favored the Jews over the Gentiles, really. This is going to bust this story open. That story no longer makes sense, and it has to be replaced by a new story that will allow for coherency in the data. And, and because of that, um, Peter now uh, is given this opportunity, and he, re, he retells, he, he puts together a new story. And this new story is one in which he's open now to God's work among the Gentiles. I'd like to uh, argue that this is what needs to happen in our lives for us to, um, to really have a, a changed attitude towards other people, other groups. Um, it, it comes about when we um, have an interaction with somebody, typically members of another group, that are positive. Maybe even so far as we see God at work among them, and, and this um, helps us realize that they're human, that they're children of God, that they're beloved, that in fact, in spite of the differences, that there's probably more in common than we recognize, or even the differences that are there we could celebrate. And, and then uh, the opportunity then to not just have that as an experience, but an experience that gets codified in, in a way that, uh, that sings a new song in our hearts, that we tell a new story that allows us now to interpret data differently moving forward. Because again, if you have a different story, you see different data, you remember different data, your, your whole me- the whole way your sort of memory is going to work is going to be altered. So let's go back, though, and let's figure out what didn't work. Okay? What didn't work for Peter was hanging around with Jesus for three years. Now, this is going to sound sacrilegious, but how many times have you met somebody that's done a lot of praying on the decades of their life and they still have some really deep prejudices? Turns out that our cultural prejudices are not wrung out from us simply by going to church and praying or spending time with Jesus. And Peter is the greatest example of this because Peter was there for all, basically all the time of Jesus' ministry. He's, uh, he hears himself the parable of the Good Samaritan. Um, he, he himself is there at the cross and realizes that he is no better than anybody else for he is forgiven uh, for, for his denial. He is there at the resurrection running to the tomb and, and seeing the Lord as the Lord says, peace be with you. And he's, he's there when Jesus says, go therefore to all the nations. He's there when when Jesus says, you'll be my witnesses in Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. He's heard it all. He's witnessed it all. Yet he still has profound ethnic prejudices. Likewise, 
when um, Peter gets done his speech, you would think, okay, well, now there's going to be no... So Peter in chapter 11, he reads this, and the people say, oh, wow, okay, I guess God can be at work in the Gentiles. But those people have not had... Okay, they've actually not had their own stories change. And so what's going to happen is that the whole Jewish community of, of new Christians in Jerusalem is going to struggle with this. And this is why in Acts 15 you're going to have this really contorted agreement, uh, sort of making nobody happy, and ultimately it's not really followed, of sort of, well, you kind of sort of have to be Jew, but not really to be a Christian. And then again in Acts 20, um, why Paul's going to get in trouble because clearly the message of Peter uh, and others wasn't sinking in. And we see when Paul basically starts talking about how God is at work in the life of Gentiles, like they actually, again, information that doesn't comport with your story, actually makes you angry and they drive him, they, they, they arrest him. So we see whether it's Peter or Paul's preaching, sort of really having a limit, in Paul's case, extremely getting himself in trouble, or we even just see in the example of Peter. Peter was the most religious, right? He was like the main disciple. He was there for the miracles. He was there at the resurrection. He heard Jesus say, ends of the earth. He heard Jesus say, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. He hears this, and he doesn't get it inside that God actually shows no partiality to Jews over non-Jews. It's just too hard for him to let go of that. And so we cannot simply expect that either by osmosis with just hanging out with Jesus or um, by uh, having an angry preacher preach at us that we're going to somehow have our hearts expanded. I think here's what's going to, I think here's what the church can do though to, to really expand people's, the horizons of their compassion. First of all, I, I think the church uh, can and should study the Word of God with sort of the, the fundamental story that allows you to make sense of all the others, that God actually has a heart for all of creation, and that whether it's, um, you know, Old Testament passages that show that God has, you know, a light to the ends of the earth, um, or, you know, the book of Revelation, where, you know, you look up and there's a great multitude from every nation in the world. So really, a depth of understanding of God's heart for the other beyond ourselves. I think that, this, that can be good for us to do, but that alone won't do it. Um, I think we have to think of ways as a church, or if you're just a person listening, whether how you as an individual or how you as a church can think about ways to have meaningful interactions with people who are different, especially of a different ethnic or racial group. And, and that can happen in a, a number of different ways. I mean, that can, um, you know, be a, a youth exchange program. That could be a mission trip. That could be, um, uh, you know, service projects. That, but again, the more relational, probably the better. That um, could be like accompaniment groups. Like we have a, a group at our church accompanying refugees. Um, now, this isn't always going to work the way we want it to. I think it has to really ultimately be a work of the Spirit when we prayerfully have to discern. I spoke to a couple other pastors about also helping out with the refugee family we're working on, and they came back and said no because they'd had a really negative experience in the past with refugees, and their church wasn't ready for that at this point. Um, so, again, it's not just like interacting with others is the secret sauce. I think we have to be intentional. What are ways in which we can... 
through various partnerships, trips, experiences, help people interact with people who are different than they are to, again, see that God's love is bigger than just those who are like us. Because churches inevitably become or have a tendency to become monoculture as people just want to hang out with people that are like them. And so churches, I think, have to be intentional about reaching out beyond their walls and into other communities um, yeah, or figuring out ways, especially as neighborhoods change, to invite neighborhoods into their church and so forth. So I think there is work that, that a church can do in terms of fostering meaningful experiences. And the second then is when people have had those experiences, that's the opportunity, I think, to really do biblical teaching, to help people when they've had an encounter with the other um, that, that just is like, whoa, then to be able to put that back into the Bible and say, wow, okay, things have, things have now changed for me and, and, to, and help scripture then shape the new narrative, maybe even do Bible studies on Acts 10 and 11 about how uh, ethnic prejudices are overcome. So the, the short summary is it's not about preaching. It's, it's really about fostering opportunities where the Spirit intercedes, and then the ministry of the Word comes, um, where, where the ministry of the Word helps us, again, re-understand uh, and, and our story and tell it in a way where we have come to a conclusion that God's love is bigger. So that's my thesis on Acts 10 and 11 and, and how sort of we actually cultivate um, a reduction in prejudices uh, and racism and ethnic boundaries in our, in our world. And uh, I'm, I'm looking very forward to hearing uh, your thoughts and your feedback on that.